You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org connected or call one 800 460 6276. Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Bracco. It's great to be presenting at NASM Virtual Fitness Conference. My name is Mike Bracco, and I'm in Calgary, Canada. And up here, I do a lot of different things. And as it relates specifically to this session, I work with a lot of kids, a lot of uh, a lot of hockey players, ice hockey players. So I'm a, a, a strength and conditioning coach for ice hockey players, a skating coach for hockey players, but I also do a lot of work in the fitness industry, uh, presenting at conferences like this, uh, both in North America and Asia, as well as writing. I have a contract with PT on the net and a contract with a hockey website, a hockey coaching website called uh, the, the Coaches Site. And so this is how we're going to roll through the presentation today. We'll do an introduction. We'll give an overview of youth training. And that's that's primarily going to be talking about uh, good news as opposed to all the negative news. Because you read the newspaper, you look online, you hear research, and it's like every kid is, is, is uh, uh, inactive and they're overweight. And we're going to show you some data that completely refutes that. And if you work with kids, you'll know that there are a lot of kids that are very physically active and playing sports. And then we're going to talk about the four most important exercises uh, for kids to master, like young athletes. Uh, and when we do that, we're going to be talking specifically about teaching cues that we can give to the athletes to help them master those exercises. And then we're going to get into the fitness games. So we'll, when we do the fitness games, we'll talk about program design. And we will be doing some essential uh, movement patterns for kids, uh, locomotor patterns, working with a BOSU and working with a stability ball. So when, we, when we're talking about youth training, we're talking about that it's big. And uh, in this overview, the first thing is that uh, in spite of all the negative new news about kids being inactive, there are millions of, of kids and adolescents that are involved in sports. So an ESPN has written that uh, youth sports is so big that we really don't even know how big it is. And one of the reasons for that is, and we're going to talk about this in a couple of slides. One of the reasons for that is because a lot of kids are participating in non-traditional sports. And so we, a lot of times we don't have statistics for how many kids that are skateboarding or how many kids that are riding on their scooters and doing tricks on their scooters. So we will talk about that as well. <clears throat> so if you look at these data now, three out of four household, households have at least one high school age uh, child in youth sports. And almost 60% of American children 
are active in, uh, in sports, and that's from the Aspen Institute in 2016. Now, you might be saying, oh, come on, Bracco, that can't be right. But remember, uh, I'm talking about traditional and non-traditional sports, and we'll talk about that uh, in a couple of slides. So you can see here that 60% of boys and 47% of girls are on a team by the age of six. Now, one of the most important things for us to talk about, and most of us kind of have an inclination towards this, but this is really, this is really the important data on this slide, uh, that children participating in sports between the ages of six and 12, as they grow older, they have 40% higher test scores on written tests in, high, in, uh, in school. Uh, they actually earn more money, seven to eight uh, percent higher earnings, fifteen percent increase in likelihood of attending college, and something that we probably know, but we really need to talk about a lot is that kids who are involved in sports, again, traditional and non-traditional sports, have a lower incidence of obesity and being overweight. Now, Generation Zers or in Canada, we call them Zetters, <laughs> uh, between six and 14 years old, uh, prefer team and outdoor sports, uh, with, with half of them participating in, in those types of sports. Now, for us as personal trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, group exercise instructors, if we are interested in working with youth athletes, there's a higher demand and it's getting higher and higher every day, every year is what I should say. Um, there higher demand for personal trainers to work with youth athletes. And I can tell you from personal experience uh, with humility that parents are willing to pay substantial fees for that uh, as I work with strength and conditioning and, and skating coaching for hockey players. And again, we, we talked about the traditional sports. So, so, you know, high demand for personal trainers, uh, good good money for it when we're talking about the traditional sports like soccer, swimming, field hockey, basketball, ice hockey, volleyball. But now I had also mentioned non-traditional sports. So there's a huge growing opportunity to work with, with kids who are involved in non-traditional sports. And as an example, so now the, the next, uh, uh, Summer Olympics are going to be in Tokyo. They were they were supposed to be this year, but they're going to be uh, held in in 2021. You can see that there are three non-traditional sports that are being added into the Olympics. That's sport climbing, karate. Uh, I said three. I meant four. Sport climbing, karate, skateboarding, and surfing. So imagine that. Imagine that you're you're working with an athlete, or a parent calls you and says. Yeah, my, my son or my daughter is a surfer. My son and daughter is in karate. My son and daughter is a sport climber, and I want them to, to make a push for the Olympics. So that's where us as personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches can come in and help help the parents and help the, help the, the athlete. And then, of course, it helps us because if we're looking for different clientele or more clientele, um, this, this is perfect, guys, absolutely perfect. Now, the queen or the king of non-traditional sports is the X Games. And they have been huge in our culture 
all across the world because there's athletes from all over the world since the 1990s. So in terms of youth training, we have to think outside the box. We have to think completely differently as it relates to these non-traditional sports. So again, some of the other, some of the other are uh, uh, BMX biking. Uh, we talked about skateboarding. We talked about sport climbing. Another big sport is downhill mountain biking. I love mountain biking, but I'm, I'm uh, not, not doing downhill because you go too fast and you get into too many wrecks. Uh, up here in Canada where we have snow, there's aerial and mogul snow skiing. We mentioned surfing, even snowmobiling. Like in the X Games, there's snowmobiling, motorcycling, and motocross. So imagine us uh, getting an email from a, from a potential client saying, hey, my son is a BMX or my daughter is an aerial uh, snow skier, and I want you to work with her or him. And so as it relates to thinking outside the box, if we're training for non-traditional sports, we can do some exercises for non-traditional sports. So it's important that we, we want these essential movements, but we also want to work on unstable surfaces like a BOSU or a stability ball. We wanna to try to help them develop some teamwork, uh, partner drills, locomotor skills, uh, jumping, landing, landing on two feet, landing on one foot, crawling and rolling for our, our athletes. Now I put this picture in here of me uh, working with a young hockey player as a segue into going into some of the, 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 the things that we need to think about in terms of making athletes safe. And the reason I put this picture in here is because when I'm working with very young athletes, so this athlete, her, his name is Kellen. And uh, at this, when this picture was taken, he was about nine years old. And I was doing a skating clinic with him and a bunch of other athletes, uh, including his older brother. So older brother, younger brother, the older brother had just hit uh, Kellen like with his stick, kind of slashed him. And so Kellen was crying. So I wanted to get on the same eye level of, as him, as opposed to standing and looking down on him. I wanted to be eye level with him to try to make him more comfortable, to try to hear him because he was crying but also to make eye contact. So in the next slide now, we have to understand um, and ask ourselves what will be done to make sure that the, our youth athletes are physically safe, all right? So that means that in the gym, uh, in, the, in the gymnasium, uh, if we're working outside, we have to make sure that there's literally nothing that an athlete can trip on, nothing that an athlete is going to hurt themselves with. So I can tell you from personal experience, in many situations in a gym or a field house or whatever the case may be, I honestly thought that I had, <laughs> had removed every single obstacle, every slipping, tripping hazard there is. And the next thing you know, some kid has fallen over a water bottle or a towel or a backpack or something like that, and you hit yourself on the forehead and you're like, Darn, I didn't even see that. So we have to make sure that the, the kids are physically safe uh, by removing every safety hazard. We also want to make sure that the athletes are emotionally safe. And that kind of goes back to that picture of me looking the athlete in the eye. So we want to make sure that we are emotionally safe with the, with the, uh, with the athletes. And then, of course, we want to establish rules. And we want to establish those rules right away. No pushing, no shoving, 
no talking when the, the, the coach is talking and things like that. And then consequences. What are the consequences for if you if you have inappropriate behavior? Actually, the best the best consequence or the best um, uh, the best punishment is inactivity because we never ever ever want to use, for instance, push-ups or exercise as a form of punishment because push-ups are good for you. Why would you use something that's good as a form of punishment? So as we roll on here. <clears throat> Uh, one of the big things now is bullying. So how are we going to address bullying? How are we going to address conflicts? And how are we going to res res resolve those conflicts? And it's kind of sometimes it's a juggling act because you have maybe one person that is in a, having inappropriate behavior or two, two kids that have inappropriate behavior. And we have to juggle working with the rest of the group with dealing with these inappropriate uh, kids who are uh, having inappropriate behavior. Uh, so we got to, you know, kind of juggle with that, but have that pre-planned and also tell the athletes, this is what's going to happen. If I see you, if I see you uh, having inappropriate behavior. And the reason I say that is because you all know what's going to happen. Some kid is going to push or shove another kid Another kid pushes him, but you don't see the first kid pushing. You see the second kid. So the second kid gets in trouble. And then he's like, yeah, but he he hit me first. And you're like, well, I didn't see that. So <laughs> he's just say, get away from him. All right. Um, the, the, the athletes need to know that, that the, the coach, that the adults are going to respect them. But they also need to know that the other athletes are going to be respectful of them as well. And they, we need to be as consistent as we possibly can. And the athletes need to experience both structure, but also flexibility if something's not going wrong. Even though we may have demonstrated the drill, uh, uh, talked about the drill, sometimes drills just don't work. And it's not the athlete's fault. It's not the coach's fault. It's just stuff that happens. So we need, we need structure, but we also need flexibility. So now we're going to talk. We're going to transition and talk about the four uh, excuse me, the four essential exercises for kids, and specifically with body weight training. And this is just a funny uh, picture that I found on the internet. A little baby. It's from CrossFit, and the CrossFit they really want to make sure that uh, everything is so. He's got a neutral neck. His legs are straight. His tummy is tight, and he has a look of determination. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, a front plank. That's the upper left-hand corner. That's what that young athlete is doing. And I, I actually purposely picked pictures uh, of athletes that I've worked with who, who actually don't have very good form so that we can figure this out, so we can figure out some teaching cues. So the top left picture is front plank. Uh, the bottom left picture is some kids trying to do a modified push-up. And then you can see the bottom uh, picture in the middle. Those athletes are trying to do squats, and it's quite a challenge, as you can see. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit further. And then the, the bottom right-hand corner, they're, doing, they're trying to do a back bridge. So the first. Now, if we were, if we were in person, what I would do is uh, get everybody in groups of three, four, or five, and give give everybody an exercise, and then you would get like about two or three minutes 
to figure out three teaching cues, three teaching cues that we can give to the athletes while we demonstrate the, the drill, uh, three teaching cues so the athletes can see, can see the exercise, but also hear the teaching cues. And so for the front plank, uh, typically when I've done this before at other fitness conferences, is this is usually what happens. So the first teaching cue is that the elbows are under the shoulders. And my guy there is doing pretty well with that. I don't know why he's got his head turned, but uh, elbows are under shoulders. Another teaching cue that's really important and, and sometimes really hard for youth athletes is to have a straight line from the, from the head down to the heels. And then uh, the third teaching cue is hard because if you say contract your abs, a lot of young athletes won't understand what that is. But if you say keep your tummy tight, that seems to be a pretty good teaching cue. So those are the teaching cues for the front plank. Uh, now the next one is for push-ups. So what, what I usually do is tell the, the athletes to start flat, start flat on the ground. And the reason I do that is because I don't want their butt up into the air. Uh, none of those athletes have their butt up into the air. But the other, the opposite of that is the kid in the orange t-shirt. You can see that instead of uh, pushing up from his knees, he's actually pushing up from his hips. It almost looks like a yoga position. Uh, and then the kid in ahead of him is doing a pretty good push-up. And then the kid in the white t-shirt is doing pretty good. So start flat so your body is straight. Uh, heels to hips uh, are, are straight. And uh, when you're doing the push-up, keep the body straight. Yeah. Okay, good. And then the squat. Now, for me, in a lot of the with a lot of the athletes that I work with, the squat is really hard. And we'll just take a look at this picture. You can see all the different uh, 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 things that these athletes are doing and the different movements that the athletes are doing. So the uh, the the athlete in the bottom left hand corner uh, is is got pretty good foot placement, but he's got too much trunk flexion. Uh, the girl on the other side of the picture has her feet right together and then um, just some other really funky uh, movements. So some of the teaching cues are feet apart and toes out. Now remember, these kind of have to be quick, all right? And so what we can do is give them three teaching cues, get them to do it and then correct them while they're doing it or get them to do five to 10, like in this case, squats and then correct them again and ask, say, let's try another five. Uh, bend your knees. And then I always say, be proud. So don't go down like the, the athlete uh, who has too much, trunk, too much trunk flexion. Be proud and keep your chest up high. And then the one last one is a back bridge. So you can have your, your hands behind and uh, uh, feet are wide. Or you can do it on your shoulders. You can see the, the athletes in the back of the picture are doing them on their shoulders. I actually wanted them to do it on their hands like I'm doing it and like the kid on the right right hand side of me. Uh, so on your hands or your shoulders and push your butt up so your body is straight. That's the teaching cue for that. So those are the four essential exercise. Now, in terms of program design, one of the things that kids and adolescents do not like is they do not like continuous exercise. It's boring for them. And their physiology is not made for continuous exercise. Their physiology is made more for uh, interval training or stop and go training. So that's why I like using fitness games. And we'll see, you'll see 
how we do that. So as it says here, most kids like interval training, and I don't mean I don't mean interval training like high intensity interval training. I just mean where they have short bursts of activity, running, doing some exercises for 15, maybe 60 seconds. The fitness games won't last that long. Uh, they rest and then they go again. So we we need to make the fitness games fun, quick, safe, motivating, and using different exercises. Now, there's a balance here when we're using fitness games, and the balance is between fun and quick exercises and good exercise technique. And it's my experience that sometimes the exercise technique is not the best. So that means that we can have almost two workouts. We can do the teaching cues of those four exercises and then the fitness games for those exercises. All right, now let's move on to some slides uh, talking about the youth physical development model. And what we're going to be talking about here uh, specifically is fundamental movement skills and fundamental movement skills for all different uh, ages and ability levels of the athletes with whom we are working. So we want to make sure, and we've talked about this before, we want to make sure that we're developing the correct movement patterns in a safe environment uh, to enhance their performance. Um, of complex uh, so that we can start to build to improve their movement for complex motor skills later on as they mature and as they get older. And so uh, fundamental movement skills, FMS, uh, should be present in any strength and conditioning uh, program for any athlete. And so you can see there an inexperienced seven-year-old boy or girl, well, their workout might actually be fundamental, excuse me, fundamental movement skills, which we will be doing. And it includes things like, well, running, uh, not walking, uh, 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 skipping, galloping, uh, karaoke or grapevine, sidestepping, movement skills like that. Um, and so that would be the actual workout. Now, for uh, an elite 21-year-old athlete, what we would do with those fundamental movement skills is put them in place for the warm-up uh, to get ready for a higher, higher intensity uh, training for an older adult. Um, order, older athlete is what I meant to say. And so again, with FMS, we're talking about things like balance skills. Uh, where we are, we are doing the movements, uh, our, our feet are stationary, our legs are stationary, and our arms are moving around, uh, challenging our balance. Uh, I've talked about the motor, uh, locomotor skills like running, galloping, uh, skipping, hopping. And we won't do this in this session, but it also includes ball skills like catching, throwing, uh, kicking, and striking, like striking a baseball. But, it, you know, bear in mind, everyone, it doesn't have to be just a baseball. The first thing that comes to mind is hitting a baseball, but it can also be lacrosse where you're catching a lacrosse ball and throwing a lacrosse ball or in my sport, ice hockey, receiving a pass and then passing it again or taking it a shot. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the classic uh, 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 baseball. Um, and then we've got locomotor and non-locomotor skills, things like rolling, uh, literally rolling so that athletes learn how to roll, balancing, sliding, jogging, running. We've talked a lot about this. Dodging balls. Now, uh, are, are we talking about playing dodgeball? Well, if we can control it and we can have 
uh, a, a good a technique involved. It's great for agility, and we'll talk about agility in a couple of slides. <clears throat> and then uh, object and control skills, so bouncing a ball, dribbling a ball, soccer ball, uh, throwing, kicking, striking, and, and, and on with, with motor skills like that. And uh, we will practice most of these, most of these later on. So then as part of the youth physical development model, we, we talk about the, the, all the components of muscle fitness, and we start with strength development. So strength development is a combination of muscular, neural, uh, and, and some, some biomechanics as well. And what we're talking about here in order to develop strength is two things, literally ma making the muscle stronger uh, and a, a bigger muscle is a stronger muscle, but also it has to do with the nervous system and neuroplasticity ability of the brain. And that's the ability of the brain to change throughout life. So strength development could be targeted uh, during childhood and after the adolescent growth spurt. And so the, the point is that pre-pubertal pre pre children and adolescents can both improve strength, and it has to do with the Golgi tendon organs, and we'll talk about that uh, in, a, in a couple of slides. So after that, we talk about hypertrophy. Now, it, the, the truth is that we really don't worry about uh, hypertrophy with very young athletes, and, and of course, the reason is because they, they don't have enough testosterone and human growth hormone uh, that, that is being secreted to actually increase the size of the muscle. And so you can see that around the age 14 for males and around the age 12 uh, is what some research indicates that uh, we can start uh, developing a muscle hypertrophy. But generally speaking, it doesn't occur until after the growth spurt. So that's around 18 years old. Uh, so again, I, I mentioned that the lack of testosterone and lack of human growth hormone uh, limits the ability of the muscles to get bigger. Uh, so that's why we need to focus on strength development because strength development can, can occur without an increase in the size of the muscle. And that's what I was talking about, the, the Golgi tendon organ. Uh, and then after the growth spurt, we can, we can uh, uh, work on a combination of strength and hypertrophy but again, that, that comes later on in the, in, the, in the training sequence. Now, power. Power is, is really important. It's, it's probably, in, in terms of sports performance, power is probably the most important component of muscle fitness because it, it, it is essential for success in every single sport. Now, some sports are pretty obvious, uh, like a 100-yard dash. We need power for that. But even if we are swimming or running a marathon or a 10K or a middle distance, we have segments within that middle distance of running or swimming that require power. So generally speaking, we need cardiovascular endurance and muscle endurance to, to do well. But each time you push off uh, when you're running, that's a form of power. So we need that power. And then, of course, in other sports like soccer, you're, you need power to run fast to get the ball. Same thing in hockey, um, sports like diving. Uh, non-traditional sports, which we were talking about before. Um, uh, BMX biking requires power to be able to uh, not only get off, get off the jumps, but land the jumps. And so the other, the other uh, important characteristic here, if we're going to be doing testing of our, of our athletes, is that vertical jump height is an indirect measure of muscular power. I'll just give you an example here. And I've, I've talked about ice hockey. And so 
the research is really clear. There's several studies, five, six, seven studies that show that muscle power as measured by vertical jump and a 40 yard dash are two of the best predictors of skating acceleration and skating speed. So power is important in all sports and we need to try to develop this power. And you can see uh, starts at the onset of adolescence and continues through adulthood. Um, now, ch children and adolescents can make uh, training-induced improvements in, in muscle power. And this is what I was talking about before is the Golgi tendon organ. So the Golgi tendon organ is, a, is an organ, is a, a mechanism uh, that is attached onto all of, literally every single tendon. And it measures the, the, the tension on the tendon slash muscle. And if, if the Golgi tendon organ senses that there's, there's too much uh, tension on the muscle, in other words, the muscle's lifting too much uh, weight uh, and it's going to get injured, the Golgi tendon organ it can actually shut down that contraction. Now, the way that an athlete can become stronger at a young age is because of neural adaptations. So what happens with the Golgi tendon organ is that it kind of literally relaxes and it, it's kind of like, okay, I'll let you lift a little bit more. Okay, not, we're not gonna go any further with that one. Oh, now, okay, you're, you're, you're able to do it biomechanically, physically, anatomically. Okay, we're gonna let you, the Golgi tendon organs are saying, okay, we're gonna let you lift more weight. And so that's why that we can see a, in, in, within two weeks an increase in strength or at least an increase in the amount of weight uh, 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 an athlete is lifting or the number of push-ups an athlete can do without any increase in the size of the muscle. And that's because of the Golgi tendon organ. Now, endurance. So most kids don't like endurance. The next bullet point uh, coming up in this slide, we'll talk about that. And endurance receives more attention than it, re than it really should. Uh, and it should not be the main focus of training with young athletes. So one of the reasons is because it, depending on what sport it is, uh, athletes don't need a lot of endurance. But also we need to focus on, on um, uh, power, not only muscle power, but anaerobic power. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about there. Uh, cardio or, or endurance training, like long, slow distance, medium intensity, continuous training, is inadvertently the most common component of fitness that is that is taught or that is used by some coaches and that's that's because it's relatively safe and it's relatively safe especially compared to resistance training so we need to forego the the temptation to say as a coach okay just go for a run for 15 minutes we it would be better for them to do some interval training or as you're going to see in the coming slides for some fitness games uh, so Baquette in 2010 did a research study on high intensity interval training for kids. And he's saying that uh, the, the, the kids don't like they become bored with continuous exercise and that we as fitness professionals need to consider a, a wide variety of, of exercises for our training. Okay, now agility. So agility is probably the most, well, as the bullet point says, they're the most under-researched component of fitness and pediatric exercise science, but also the, the most misunderstood. And we'll, we'll go through here and we're going to bring up a video. We'll go through here and understand why it is misunderstood and why we're doing, a lot of times we are doing 
drills and exercises that really are not improving agility as, as we have the definition there, and I'll read it in a second. What we're working on simply is just a change of direction. So you can see there that agility is described as a rapid whole body movement with change of velocity or direction in response to a stimulus. So it's not just it's not just a change of direction. There's a stimulus. You make a decision, and you make you make a move one way or the the other to get around a uh, another an opposing athlete. So the rhetorical question is: Are agility ladders actually improving agility? Just a rhetorical question. So think about that, and think about the difference between a rapid whole body movement with change of velocity or direction in response to a stimulus, as opposed to fast feet moving through and over an agility ladder all right what about fast feet moving around cones is that agility or is that change of direction it's actually just change of direction now not to say that that's bad because we, we could use that as a lead up or even a warm-up but it's not agility we need decision making with fast movements and fast um uh, uh, uh fast movements because of us because of a stimulus and so we're going to let this run. It's about three minutes. We'll just let it run uh, and, and watch this video and, and, and watch the difference between agility and change of direction. So you see how this is agility, change in movement in response to a stimulus. So I'm just going to let it run till uh, it shows a drill to improve agility. So there's the agility ladder. And we got the little guy with the fast feet. It does have fast feet. <laughs> Uh, don't worry about that chart. It just talks about there's cognitive decision making anticipation. And there's technical aspects like feet placement, feet placement, body lean. Then there's the physical strength and power. So this is this is kind of interesting here, right here. 
So they're saying that that type of exercise doesn't improve agility and neither does this. So what are we going to do with our agility ladders? So here's the one I want you to see, and you can see that she's a field hockey player. You got the ball, and then she has to run. And I'm going to show you a different uh, way to, to do this. And then they just show some uh, uh, small area game. And so let, let's move this forward now and talk about some of the drills that we can do. So uh, some of the drills that, that I like to do are uh, decision-making with whole body movement. So I'll show you just a... Uh, a diagram of a one-on-one. -on -one. It's a simple one-on-one. -on -one. You fake one way, go the other. Uh, react to a stimulus going right or left with all the people in the in this in the class, and then a four-person triangle drill. So um, the fake one way, go the other. So you're with partners. So the X is a is a a partner, and so you're either faking left, faking right, and then you're so this way they this this person for instance faked left. They went right, and then those two arrows, arrows are the person uh, running to get away from, from that defender, so to speak. So that's one, that's the start of agility training. And so when you're doing this with a class, depending on how big the, the facility is in which you're working, you could have, well, you have to be careful because remember I was saying that they, we have to make sure that it's safe. So we don't want people running into each other. So we might have, uh, just two lines or three lines or four lines, but they have to sp be spaced out uh, far enough or or that you can stagger them. So line one, two, three, four, one goes, two goes, three goes, four goes, then one goes again, all right? Uh, okay, now this is react to a stimulus. And so um, the you, you see that the X's are all the people in the line. So there, I just put four there, but you could, you could have as many as you want, six, 10. I, sometimes I've had 10 people. And then, excuse me, you have one person that is kind of running through, not the gauntlet, but running through those people. And what those people are doing is they're putting up their right hand or their left hand, or they're keeping their hands still. So if it's right hand, the, the, the person who's running has to move around them around them to the right. If they put up their left hand, uh, they have to move around them to their left. If they don't put up a hand and make them wait, that person has to be there, be in a ready position, keep their feet moving, and then and then go. And if it, inevitably what happens with, with, the, with the clients is that they'll fake right and then they'll go to the left and you can tell them to do that. But when they fake, it doesn't go up high but then the, like if you're faking right and you go left, the left hand has to go up high. So that's react to a stimulus going left or right. And then the four person triangle, this is what this, that field hockey player was doing. Uh, now, so you've got, you've got four people and I do this with uh, my, my hockey players and hockey teams. And so we've got a triangle there and the, the, the person in the middle is the person who is going to be Re reacting and doing the agility and re reacting to a stimulus. So the person at the bottom there, that person, usually what I do is I have a, a, a water bottle and it's about half full of water. 
And so what that person, what when you say go, the person at the bottom, that X at the bottom, will have the water bottle and they will drop it, not throw it, but just drop it. So the person in the middle has to run, pick up that water bottle, give it back to that person. And then those two people at, at the top of this triangle, they're gonna do the hands up. So that person in the middle has to run over, let's say to the person on the left and high five, right hand, left hand, left hand, right hand, right, 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 left, left. And then they have to quickly go over to that other person, high five, and then they come back to the top person uh, with the water bottle. And I usually uh, have this go for, for 30 seconds. It actually is pretty cool. Uh, not only is it good for agility, but it's also a pretty good anaerobic uh, uh, workout. And so let's move on here. Now, I'm showing you these pictures for a reason. You're thinking, why is he showing me a picture of his, of his knees? So um, I'm kind of a hop along Bracco. So in some, I, I had a surgery called a high tibial osteotomy in January. And uh, it's been a struggle ever since. And so that's what my, this is what my knees looked like, my genuverum, my bow legs uh, before the surgery. And you can see that I'm wearing my brace on my left leg. And then this is a picture of what they did to me. So high tibial osteotomy, long story short, they basically cut your tibia in half and then they put in a bone graft and they, uh, they straighten your leg. And then they put those titanium screws in there that's what it looks like from the front and then on the side that's what it looks like so the reason that i have struggled for such a long time and the reason i'm showing you these is because sometimes when i'm demonstrating the exercises i'm literally hop along uh so what happened with me is i was tr training too hard i thought it was good and i actually broke the tight those titanium screws that you're looking for and i didn't want to show you a picture of that so that's the reason I'm hop along Bracco. All right, so now we're gonna be starting off with some early movement skills. Now these can be done before the fitness relays as part of a warm-up. And so I'm gonna show you a video of uh, some stability, some balance and kinesthetic awareness. And we're gonna start with static balance and extremities are still two foot balance, one foot balance and then static. So we're gonna move on to a video and I'll let it run. Okay, so we'll do static balance now and starting on one foot with the extremities still. So the, the teaching cues you can tell your athletes is to have a little bit of flexion in your knee and you can tell your athletes to pick a spot on the floor or look you in the eye like I'm looking at the camera or to go down a little bit lower, extremities are still. Then you can say, let's have, let's move the extremities. So balance on one leg, a little bit of flexion, moving your arms, challenging your balance, or doing a high five, doing a high five with your partner, or picking up a weight and challenging your balance this way. So again, on one foot, knees bent, foot is flat, moving that arm around, moving that weight around, all the way around, move it up, move it back, and challenging your balance that way. Now, the next one is going to be working with uh, pelvic stability. And it's been my experience, especially working with ice hockey players, that uh, uh, this is a, a key component, uh, not only to their fitness, uh, to their movement skills, but also in terms of improving their skating ability. So we're going to run through, uh, you can see the still pictures there. This is basically what we're going to be doing, but I'm going to show you in a video 
So we'll do a single leg pelvic stability, parallel hips, then some movements, and then a golfer's left, uh, golfer's lift. Again, it'll be a, a video and we'll run through there and we'll let it run. Now, pelvic stability. So the first one you're going to be look, looking with a partner or working with a partner, knees at 90 degrees, hips at 90 degrees, you're trying to keep the pelvis stable and parallel with the floor as opposed to dropping down or coming up in the other way. So look at that. Okay, the second one then in this sequence is that you're going to be doing single leg stability, pelvic stability at the same time, toe on for balance. So watch my left toe. You're going to go down, left toe on for balance, get your balance, and then come on back up. Arms are moving. Watch how my arms move. Equal and opposite reaction with the leg. Toe goes on. Come on back up, then I'm going to switch sides. Now this time the toe doesn't go on for balance, so it's more of a balance challenge. So watch my left toe, will not go down. More balance, get as low as you can. Another teaching cue is to have the body straight from the head all the way down to the heel, as close as you can. And then a golfer's lift, a complete balance challenge. So we're going to pick something up. So try to keep your body straight as you go down, picking that up, good balance. Again, a compound exercise, and then coming back up. Now we're going to be talking about early movement skills. And so I'm going to be going through in the videos, I'm going to be going through a bunch of these different, like uh, uh, jump and land, uh, jump, turn and land, jump and land on one foot one foot hop, land on two feet, uh, run, jump, land, run, jump, turn, land. And uh, on some of them, I've got, I, 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 I do the, the drill and then I talk about the teaching cues. I think what I'm going to do is uh, a forego the teaching cues uh, and just so we can see the video, uh, just in, in, in terms of time, just because we have, uh, we got to get to the, the, the fitness games um, and so what I'll, what I'll do is as the video is going, I will talk over that, um, and to give the teaching cues and then, and then I'll just advance the slide because in the, in the slides, what I'm, or the videos, what I'm doing is I'll do the drill and then I will give the teaching cues. So to, to, to tighten this up a little bit, I'll give the teaching cues as we go. So now the first one is jump and land. And so we're landing on a flat foot, knees apart, toes slightly out. Don't let your, your knees fall in, genuvalgus, and, use, and get your arms involved. Jump, turn, and land. Uh, a little bit of trunk flexion, a lot of knee flexion, uh, landing on, on a uh, with your toes and then coming on a flat and getting your arms involved as well. So this can be a challenge for a lot of young athletes. So that's jumping from two feet and landing on one foot. One of the things that I did was look down and that might help some athletes. You can see that I, I'm telling them land on your toes and go to your, uh, go to your heels. And then I'm saying, Good core stability and good core 
uh, uh, stability to uh, prevent from falling sideways. Next one is going from one foot and landing on two feet. So use your arms to get up high and then landing in that nice position, feet a little wider than shoulder width apart, knees apart, toe, and then go down on a flat foot. Now this is gonna involve running. So run, jump and land. And on this one, it's the opposite now. So when you're landing after a, a run, you're landing on your heels first. And then I'm saying here that not to go too far forward. So go good core stability as well as uh, arms involved in there as well. So again, running and jumping and turning. So the back foot usually lands first, uh, almost like totally on a flat foot. Good core stability to, to prevent from falling to the side, falling forward, falling back. Again, running, uh, jumping and landing on one foot. Heel, the heel strikes first, then onto the flat foot. Um, this one's a little bit more difficult. A lot of athletes have a hard time with this one. Um, important so that they have good core stability. Now, some of the athletes won't have good core stability, so that's the reason we need to practice these. And I'm saying there, you can you can look down on the floor to give their better better balance. Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna move into the uh, the fitness games, and we're gonna be starting with early movement skills. So you can see we're going to be doing galloping, skipping, sidestepping, karaoke or grapevine and one foot. So now we're going to go into the uh, into the videos for that and we'll just let it run. And I think you'll be able to hear me as I'm yelling into the uh, into the uh, video. OK. First one is a gallop galloping. Now you would have a whole bunch of people doing these fitness games, guys, uh, lined up all the way across. And normally I go 20 yards. This is just 10 yards, just for the Second sake of the video. Skipping, a lot of arm movement. Ready? So they're going much further. Ready? Go. Get up high. Get up high. Yeah, hop along. Bracco can't get up that high. So watch, watch Riley. He's a little bit higher than me. Third one is sidestepping. Face the same way, each direction. Okay, ready? Go. Okay, the fourth one is karaoke or grapevine. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, go. And again, these are really, really races. So you would have a, a line of maybe, uh, actually you would have. And the fifth one is one foot hopping. You would have a, uh, maybe five, six, seven, eight lines with as few people in as possible so that the, the, the athletes. Tell, your, tell them to change foot when you go back. I can't because of my knee. 
Okay, that's good for the locomotor movements. And so what I was saying is that you would you would have as few uh, athletes in the lines as possible so that they're not stationary. So again, you'd have uh, five, six, seven lines, maybe three, four, five in each line, and it's a relay race. So they go, come back, they go, the next person goes, comes back, next person. And I always get them to high five the, the next person in line. So like I say, they're going back and forth. Usually I have um, uh, 20 yards between the cones. This is 10 yards just for the video, uh, but 20 yards are like 20 yards. And to be honest with you, the, one of the reasons that I like 20 yards is because, uh, sorry, uh, uh, well, 20 yards there and 20 yards back is because uh, for, for ice hockey, a 40-yard dash, the speed of a 40-yard dash has been found uh, to be a good predictor of skating acceleration and skating speed. So now we're going to move on uh, with the fitness games and do some more exercises. And we're going to be using a BOSU as well, an unstable surface and then a stability ball. So BOSU is first. So we're going to be doing a whole bunch of them, uh, two feet hopping on, one foot balance, balance on all fours, two knee balance, uh, two knee balance, get up, get down, bird dog, and Superman. So here it goes. Okay, you go. Oh. Now, fitness games with a BOSU and all different movements and drills and exercises with a BOSU. First one is two foot hop and land. Okay, go. Stick it. One, two, three, four, five. Back. Stick it again. One, two, three, four, five. And come back. Okay, now the next one is one foot. Okay, go. So you, you would have a coach standing now, right beside one, the bosu. Two, three, four, five. Or all the bosus. Give feedback to the athletes. One, two. Because this can be a challenge, you can see right there. I shouldn't have used my left leg. Next one is balance on all fours. Okay, ready? Go. One, two, three, four, five. Make sure you have your feet off the ground when you're balancing there. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, now next one is a two knee balance. No hands. Okay, go. And with your feet off the ground. One, two, three, four, five. And Riley and, and I did it well. touch. There you go. Back, okay, go. Two, three, four, five. Hands up for balance. Now, starting from a two foot, two knee balance, you're gonna go up, up, down, down. Okay. Here you go. Okay. Same thing coming back. So remember, delegates, uh, when they're doing relays like this, they're in a hurry. Uh, there's lots of energy. Next one is a bird dog just holding it and so this is where i was talking about a combination of one, fun three, and speed three. as well as technique other leg, other arm. One, two, three. so in this one you see we're just holding it for three one two three one two three good work good work 
Okay, the next one is three exercises in one. Start with a Superman, Skydiver, then a reverse Superman. Go. Superman, Skydiver, for the core. Okay. Holding it for like three counts. One, and so two, delegates, three, what you would be doing is one, you would demonstrate three, each exercise before they do it. Uh, uh, so one, it's not just two, continuous three. like this. Uh, you would demonstrate each one and then say, ready, go. Actually say, so does everybody understand? Bosu. Everybody understand? And then you'd say, go. So one, one, one drill, one exercise, everyone's done. Who won? Winner, winner, chicken dinner, all those kinds of things. Funny th sayings for, for, for youth athletes. And then say, okay, here's the next exercise. And so you'd be running back and forth, getting a BOSU, getting a stability ball. But also there, there you can also do um, like at the start uh, as part of a warm up. You could, you could have them do uh, run there, do run to the end, do five push-ups, run back run to the end, run there, hold a front plank for five counts, come back, back plank, those four essential exercises. Uh, you can you can do those as well. And so now let's move forward here. And uh, fitness games with a stability ball. It gets more fun and more fun as we go along. So check it out. Now, this is one that I that we didn't do with, with Riley in the video, but uh, I, I mentioned that you can do teamwork. And so here you can see that I've got two, two athletes, uh, young hockey players. They're actually from the American Hearing Impaired Hockey Association in Chicago. It's an organization for whom I've, I've volunteered for 20 years. I'm their strength and conditioning coach. And you can see that they're doing a fitness relay, but they're also using a stability ball here, but they're not supposed to use their hands. And I, I think it's really cool. I love this picture because they, they both have big smiles on their face. And I can guarantee you, if you want to have your athletes have fun, get them to do fitness relays because it's a total blast. Uh, so we're, uh, that's just a, a, a stationary shot. And then we'll go to the video here. So we're going to do start off with sitting on a ball, balance, sitting, balance on all fours, two knee balance, front plank, stir the pot, and then back plank. Uh, so we do posterior chain and anterior chain. Okay, fitness games of the stability ball. First one is sitting on the ball, balancing with two feet, then one foot. Okay, go. Two feet, one foot, one foot, one foot, one foot. Balance, one foot, one foot, one foot, one foot. Good, come on back. Next one is balance on all fours. Go. Hold it one, two, three, four, five, and go. This one's always a challenge for young athletes. One, two, three, four, five, and go. Two knee balance, no hands. Okay, go. And hold it, hold it. One, two, three, four, five. Good. 
So again, this one's usually a challenge. Sometimes they can't do it. So you get to have a coach there uh, helping them uh, hold their hand, perhaps. Give them a little bit of balance, help. Front plank, stir the pot. Go. One, two, three. One, two, three. Go. So it's not that obvious on this video, but what we're doing is stirring the pot in one direction one, for three two, counts and then three. stir the pot in one, the other direction two, for three counts. Three. Okay, good. And. Next one is a bank, a back plank, shoulders on the ball. Okay. So here we're mixing it up a little bit with two different exercises. One, two, three, four, five. This time, feet on the ball. Okay. On your shoulders, going there. Okay. Here's the one where we got two different exercises. And your hands coming back. Hold it. One, two, three, four, five, and go. The biggest challenge on that one for young athletes. And you might, you might have seen it, uh, the difference between myself and Riley. Uh, and I don't mean to compare myself with Riley. Riley's like 15, 16 years old. But typically with young athletes, they have a hard time getting their body straight just because of core stability and core strength. So that would be a teaching cue for sure when you're doing this back plank on your hands on a, on a stability ball is to try to get your body as straight as possible. And again, just to, to review quickly, um, the, the, the cones can be any distance apart. I usually have them 20 yards apart in the video that I'm showing there. I've got the, the, the uh, cones 10, 10 yards apart, but we want, them to be, we want them to be sprinting. We want them to be running as fast as they can. Now you can also have have like for instance in this case you can also have the stability ball at the end of the of the relay so they would they would sprint 20 yards do the drill and then sprint back so it kind of just depends on how you want to do it or you could mix it up and have it have the stability ball in the middle and then the next one have a stability ball at the end or if you've got excuse me if you've got enough equipment you can have two stability balls so they do it in the middle they do it at the end uh, usually it doesn't, it's my experience that it doesn't work as great or as well if they do it at the start. They just, they want to get going, they want to run. Uh, and so we, we need to accommodate what, what their desires are as well. And so I think that is it. Uh, thank you very much for being in this session. If you have any questions, here's my email address. Feel free to email me at drbrackofitness at aol.com and I can send you uh, exercises. I can answer questions for you. If there's something that we were talking about that you, you didn't quite understand or something that, that I said 
that you're like, I have no idea what he just said. Please email me questions, comments, um, exercises, whatever the case may be. So thanks very much for being in this session, everybody, uh, and, and enjoy the rest of the conference. Right on. See you later.